Anna here. Did you know I have another podcast? And did you know it's all about failure? Well, at this point, you'd have to answer yes to both of those questions because I just told you. But my other show isn't just about failure. It's about failing your way to success. Yes, success. Because the most successful people are often just the people who've gotten up the most times after their failures. Don't believe me? Go download Fail Your Way to Success wherever you get your podcasts or go to failyourway.com for more info. Now back to the show. I wouldn't say we fell in love right away. I think we were, as they call it in the biz, trauma bonding. And then after eight years of being insufferably sober, I started drinking again. Addicts tend to be rather sensitive people. Aren't you Mark Maron? I'm like, yeah. And she goes, what happened to you? Hi there, you're listening to Light Hustler Podcast, hosted by me, Anna David, where we talk about sharing our dark to find our light. This is one of those episodes that's from a Facebook Live interview that I did. So, you know, usual caveat, sounds not perfect. You guys never complain about that anymore. Uh, And I love that about you, and I love you for listening. And if you're new to the podcast, um, thank you, thank you. Sometimes these are interviews, sometimes they are episodes from my storytelling show. And speaking of listening to a podcast, do you want to start a podcast? I have a free course that shows you exactly what to do and really what not to do. Everything that I have learned, uh, had to learn in order to make this podcast into one of the top 10% of successful podcasts on iTunes. So if you want that, go to podcastingforwriters.com, podcastingforwriters.com. Again, it's totally free. I want everyone, we are in a podcasting golden era. I want you all sharing your stories um, that way and every way. So speaking of sharing your stories, Tim Ryan, my guest this week, is somebody who has very powerfully shared his story and helped so many people. Um, I do a proper introduction. Once we start the interview, there's a lot of interaction. Apparently, Tim's very popular, news to me. Kidding. I love this guy. After this interview, we decided we're going to partner on a whole bunch of other things. If you, apologies for my rude microwave, it beeping in the background, but if you don't know about Tim, he's one of the world's leading recovery advocates. He is an author. He was the star of A&E's Dope Man, and he is an all-around amazing, amazing man. So please give it up for Tim Ryan. Hey, I'm here with Tim Ryan. He's known as the Hope Dealer, and he's a best-selling author, uh, an expert on the opioid epidemic. He goes around the world speaking, and he was the star of A and E's Dope Man. Please welcome Tim Ryan. Yay! Thank you for having me, my dear friend. Um, Tim Ryan has also become one of my favorite people on earth, and I don't know how he is so much more charming and adorable and sweet than you would think from reading these things about him and what he's been through. He has been through more than almost anybody I've ever had on this podcast slash Facebook live show. Um, he has, he's lost a son, unfortunately to addiction. Um, he's been in prison. He, um, he was just telling me it might be an apocryphal story, but a rat chewed off his ear. It's, it's not true. It's um, right there. You can see it. it. If you're listening, 
it it looks a little bit like that, but we're about to get into the real story because that's what we get into here. If you are here and you like the people in your lives, please share this uh, with them so they can come experience this live. Um, if you don't know me, I'm Anna David. I'm a New York Times bestselling author of six books about addiction and recovery. Um, I will be sober 18 years. Yay. Am I beating you, Tim? Oh, yeah. I will have uh, six years November 1st. That's precious. But look, we're kind of almost the same sign of recovery. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and um, yes. And so David, Sarah, Jen, Chris, oh, Jennifer, people really like Tim Ryan. And we know that because you're here. So thank you for being here. I've just saw asking the same three questions. And Tim Ryan is the very first person I'm going to ask them of. Question number one, Tim, what made you want to share your story? That's a great question. And, and my addiction ultimately took me to prison the second time. And, and that's where I got sober. I did 13 and a half months and, and lost everything. My wife divorced me, lost our home, home and foreclosure, displaced my family. But when I walked out and my former wife, Shannon, picked me up when she took me and got me my new phone. The first thing I did was put up a post on Facebook, letting people know where I was because I needed to be accountable and I needed people to be in my own selfish way, watching what I was doing. But as I started doing what I do, it helped me give hope to other people. And then you know, eight months later, my son died from an overdose, my son Nicholas on my 21 month sobriety date. And I had two choices, go to a meeting or go get high, went to a meeting, but it's my healing too. When I'm able to speak and share my story, it helps other people, but selfishly it helps me. Did you have hesitations about becoming clean about all of that? No, I've one thing I've always been is, <laughs> except in my addiction, you know, hiding it from a lot of people. I'm an open book. And when I decided to share, I needed to put everything out there because if I'm still keeping secrets, it could be the catalyst to flip me to start using again. So the thing is doing that with my son dying and that we had used together and all this, I get a lot of arrows shot at me. I still do, but that's okay because I need to push forward and keep doing what I'm doing because it does help people. I, I read the messages, I get the phone calls and it, it encourages other people. Be proud that you're sober. Who cares about the past, but share that experience, strength and hope because it can help one person. And that's what it's all about. So what has surprised you the most about sharing your story? The impact it's made. I never, I mean, you have to understand, five years ago today, I was still an inmate in prison. I walked out of prison December 16th of 2013. Never in a million years did I think I would have the life I have today. I mean, I'm, I, I was just out in L.A. with you a week ago Sunday. Then I was in North Carolina. Tomorrow I'm flying out to Long Island, New York. I'm actually going to have dinner with Darren Prince and his uh, fiance Priscilla tomorrow night. And we're both in the same area speaking in schools out, in, out there. This is a gift I get to, to do, but I will never take that gift for granted either because it could be taken away like that. Now, what would you tell other people who are struggling with whether or not to come out, whether that's on Facebook, whether that's writing a book, uh, doing any sort of sharing about their past? 
My whole deal, put your hand up. A, ask for help, but talk about it. You have to share. You have to let people know, but get outside of your comfort zone because I see what happens. Uh, my wife's bipolar, and when she talks about it, or I'll do a Facebook Live and I'll just pull her in or, or whatever, it helps people, and you don't realize how many people you can touch through the technology we have today, through through podcasts, through through this, whatever you call this we're doing right now. It helps people, but it also helps them. Be proud. Get out there and talk and put your hand up and ask for help. Drop the stigma. Drop the shame. You know, did you grow up and say, I want to be an alcoholic and drug addict? No, you had dreams. You had aspirations. I wanted to be a professional water skier and a stuntman. And I had all this pain. You know, I jokingly say when I speak, I hold two PhDs. I have one in partiology, but I also have one in pain. Um, but I've taken that negative and turned it into a positive. And so what happened to you in prison that changed everything? Uh, Big Perk. Yeah, no, he was my celly. Let me tell you what he did to me. No, <laughs> that's a joke. Relax. What happened in prison, I can remember the first, I, uh, by the grace of God, I got into Sheridan Prison in Illinois, and there's 28 prisons. There's two therapeutic drug treatment programs, and I got into one. And that was after doing two weeks and, and kicking a heroin habit and everything in, in Northern Illinois Receiving Center. But I can remember that first day I was sitting there looking out of the, the window in a plastic chair, the paint peeling off the wall saying, how the heck did I get here again? And I'm going to do everything I can to change. And I did 30 days in one building, 30 in another. And I got into my final building. And it was one of the little buildings in back. And this is a true story word for word. I walked into my cell and there's this big black guy, 500 pounds, sitting on the bunk reading an AA big book. And I walked in, I said, hey, man, how you doing? He looks up at me like I bothered him. And he goes, hey, Whitey, you into recovery? I said, yeah, why? He said, because if not, brother, you ain't coming in this cell because that's all we do in here. I said, hey, I'm into recovery. He said, hey, I'm Big Perk. I said, hey, Big Perk, I'm Tim. And then he looked up at me again. He goes, Tim, I think I'm going to call you Powder. I said, you can call me whatever you want. And he was a former gang chief for 25 years, a ruthless man. He's one of my best friends today, and that man helped save my life. Um, you know, 18 hours a day in that cell, we studied the big book, went through the steps, read hundreds of books. We wrote the business plan for my foundation. In the day room, we'd have a meeting. We walked the yard, we talked recovery. I wasn't in prison to do push-ups for noodles and, and get swole. I was there to change and I watched a corn grow get cut down and, and my wife brought two of my kids to visit me every two weeks and my oldest son was in active addiction and my wife divorced me in prison and we lost our home and I'll never forget that pain and all the destruction my disease caused everyone near and dear to me. Um, going to prison for me, Anna, saved my life. I needed to go. It was God's time out for Tim Ryan um, and it saved my life. What did you go to prison for? It was my third DUI, uh, my fifth driving on a revoke license, and they found the sp spoon and syringe. But what had happened is I uh, went to Chicago, had been drinking, bought some heroin, snorted some at my dealers, pulled away, got about two block, two miles away. I pulled over and shot up a bunch of heroin. Um, and then I started driving and I overdosed while driving, hit two cars and put four people in the hospital, one being a nine-month-old baby. 
yeah, I was uh, clinically dead when they showed up to the car. Um, they figure I was out four to six minutes. It took five, uh, five shots of Narcan to bring me back. Um, but yeah, that, uh, that's what brought me to prison. And how long were you there? 13 and a half months. I fought my case for 21 and a half months. And in the midst of me fighting my case, my old, now all my kids knew I was doing heroin. I was really dope sick one day about three months in and, and my 20 year, my 17 year old son, Nick walked in the bathroom. He said, what's wrong pops? And I said, what do you think you idiot? I'm dope sick. And he said, not anymore, dad. And he threw two bags of heroin on the counter. And I got out of the tub and I did them. And I went Nick's bedroom and I said, Nick, what the hell are you doing? He said, don't worry, dad. I'm just selling a little bit. I said, Nick, you need to shut this down immediately. You know what this drug has done to me. And he looked right at me and said, well, dad, you're a successful drug addict. And I said, why would you say that? Well, we have a nice house. You have an office in the Wrigley building. You make a good living. In Nick's delusional mind, because I functioned, he thought I was successful. Three months later, we were doing heroin together. And that's how my son and I bonded, getting high together every day. And then and then he continued to struggle. until Yeah. Yeah. I got out of prison. Um the first night I was out, my former wife had found a little townhouse for me, and, and all the kids came over that night, and we all had dinner. Um, it, when I was 19 months sober, Nick was in treatment for the sixth time, and I went to meet with him, and, and we talked every day, and he's like, Dad, you know, we got such a crazy story. I, I want to start working with you. I want to go help people. I want to speak in schools, and I'm like, great, let's do it, and uh, 30 days out of treatment, he is back in jail. Did 45 days in jail. He got out. Shannon, his mom, picked him up, took him to lunch, fed him, and said, Nick, we're done. You're not coming to my house. You're not coming to dad's. All you do is lie, cheat, and steal. Uh, five days out of jail, I called him and asked him to come to my house and get some Narcan. Uh, said he wasn't doing that anymore. Two days later, he was dead. And yesterday, you found uh, the last message you'd written him. Yeah, I found the last uh, text message that I, I, I don't know what happened. I was just laying in bed and I'm like, you know, I don't remember what the last communication between my son and I was. And if you'd like me to read it to you, I could do that. Yeah, you read it to me before, but let's read it to the people watching. Yeah. So and, you know, I'm an open book, so I, I shared it on Facebook and it was uh, 729 at 2014 at, at 218 in the afternoon, and Nick died 36 hours later. But I said, let's get something straight here. All I care about is you living your life and enjoying it. But when I see the anger and that you're back to getting blanked up, I need to step away. I want zero part of this. It's not easy to get honest, so stop blaming other people. Only you can change for the better or the worse. Until then, I'm going to love you from a distance. I said, heck, you didn't even call me on Father's Day. You're selfish and you only care about yourself. Do not call me the next time you're in jail, homeless, or anything. I'm done with you, Nick. Walk the right road and I got your back, Dad. And that was my last communication with him. So what was Which, that like to read that yesterday? It... It's difficult because I miss my son more than anything in the world. And when I speak, I, I tell people I helped kill my own son. My son followed in my footsteps. And even though Nick died on my 21-month sobriety date, I, I still feel responsible. And 
you know, as I, I scrolled back, there was one on 619 when I had just started the, the first Heroin Anonymous meeting. He said, very nice, Dad. I couldn't read the first half because it was an advertisement. Um, hopefully, I'll be at the meeting. He never showed up. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. But I don't ever want to forget the past. That's the whole point because the day I forget that is the day my disease tells me it's okay to drink or use again. And so how did you get from having these experiences to, say, speaking, having the A&E show, all of it? What were the steps you took? It was all God. I mean, I got out of prison. Three, I went back into the technology space. I commuted two hours and 15 minutes a day to work by two different trains and a bus. And I haven't had a driver's license in 18 years uh, due to my DUIs. Two years, I'll get it back. And my 20-year-old son is, is my full-time driver. Um, I got my foundation set up. I started helping people and I got a phone call um, from a lady by the name of Candy Carter. She was Oprah's right hand producer and Oprah had moved to California and Candy was doing a documentary on the south side and the west side of Chicago on why all the gangs are selling heroin, but why all the, the white middle class kids are buying it. So they came out to interview me for that. But as they were interviewing me, both my phones were ringing. And she said, what do you do? And I explained. And she said, I think we could do something with you. So I signed with New Chapter Entertainment. It really didn't go anywhere. They went in a different direction. They ultimately went out of business. I bought my footage. I bought myself out of my contract. And one of the producers, Tiff Winston, said, let's recut the sizzle and we flew out to L.A. to have some meetings. And the first meeting was with Jason Hervey with Bischoff Hervey Entertainment. He was in the TV show The Wonder Years. He is Fred Savage's older brother. I like Jason. We signed on the spot. A couple of weeks later, we we're uh, in New York. We had one meeting with A&E for an hour and a half. We walked out of there. Two days later, they said, let's sign a deal. And uh, we produced Dope Man. Unfortunately, they chose not to go to series with it, which I'm fine with. It was a really neat experience, and it basically showed a day in the life of what I do. And But it did air, that one episode. Oh, yeah. yeah it actually aired before the season premiere of Interventions last summer. And what my gut tells me is they took a lot of my ideas and put them into the new season of Interventions and said, we can run this as a, as a documentary and actually, I re-signed with Eric Bischoff. Uh, we've been out to L.A. We're in negotiations with some other organizations right now I can't talk about. Um, there's talks about a movie. But I don't really care. Um, I just want to help people. If, if that door opens, great. Um, and then... We, we started filming that because from when we filmed to where it aired was a year later. Um, and then I stumbled into working in the treatment space and... I did another program. I got hooked up with this cop called The Cop and the Convict. Uh, you can figure out which person I was. And my cop buddy had called me on a Saturday, and I had this kid, Kyle, that used to work with me. And Rich said, hey, Tim, is Kyle with you? I said, yeah, why? He said, ask him if he knows Alana Carbonara. And Kyle said, yeah, why? And he said, well, I'm standing over a dead body. So we had to go in and do an intervention with Alana's friend. Um, they had went to Chicago or buying heroin and separated and Alana died. So we got the friend off the treatment. We went and met with Alana's mother to console her. And the next day, Alana's father called me, a gentleman by the name, of, and he wouldn't care if I break his anonymity, Scott Carbonara. 
And he said, Tim, I want to thank you for being there and helping my daughter's friend and consoling my former wife. He said, I know who you are. I said, how do you know who I am? You live in North Carolina. He said, well, I'm from the Naperville area. I'm also in recovery. And I was at the 12-step meeting the night your son died. And I couldn't believe you were at a meeting. I said to myself, boy, am I grateful I'm not this guy. And here we are. His daughter died on my birthday three years ago. So Scott and I became fast and furious friends. And Scott and his wife, Jocelyn, I commissioned them to help write my book. And then we put my book out and now they book all my speaking events and are kind of my handlers. And it's just the doors have opened and I took the opportunities to walk through them. It's as simple as that. Yeah, I remember I first heard about you through our mutual friend, Ryan Hampton, and he told me about you and I was and I basically was like, oh, he sounds terrifying, this man. And <laughs> said, oh, well, you'll meet him. He's coming to our retreat, which happened last spring, which I see several people from our retreat are watching and chiming. That in. was awesome. We better do it again soon. We're going to do it again soon. What soon. did I what did I not like when I came to the retreat? So what you might not know about Tim, given all of the heroin that has uh, corroded his brain, is he remembers everything. And we had a sort of memory to memory test because I have a really good memory, too. Um, And I will say that Tim walked in and I wasn't sure what to make of you at first because, you know, you are very much like this is who I am. I remember you came up to me and you go, what exactly do you do? (laughs) And I was, of course, completely offended. And I'm like, who is this guy? And then you said, I really, these beet chips are disgusting. It was like our one attempt to have something healthy. At, you that know, was awful. Um, they were really, really bad. And, um, and you know, everybody just, oh, and you were very loud, you know, because we would have these, we, we had uh, treatments going on. And, and the foot massage people, and they're always coming out. I just talk loud. I'm tone deaf. I can't hear my voice when it gets louder. But that's just who I am. Yeah. And so and so I was always trying to move you away from the reflexology room. And that's it. Yeah. And and by the end of it, everybody was so in love with you. And you're such a softy. um, And and you'd never really know that. Plus, plus, you have this ear situation going on, which is what you had skin cancer. (laughs) No, seriously. Yeah. So if you can see here, half my ear is missing. And there's another, I tell the kids that I overdosed on heroin in a trap house and, and a rat shoot was chewing it off when I woke up. I was supposed to get a vasectomy 18 years ago. And I took up skydiving and called my doctor and said, well, I'm, I'm going to go skydiving instead. Well, then my wife was pregnant with my daughter, Abby. Well, then fast forward to four years ago, I heard those famous words again. I'm pregnant. I said, I'm 46 years old. It's not mine. Well, now my wife, who is my fiance, was pregnant with our daughter, Mackenzie. So I called Fred and I said, hey, we better do this vasectomy. Um, And as I was laying there, I said, hey, I got this little thing on my ear. And he nicked it off. Well, two months later, he called me and he said, Tim, you need to get in tomorrow. That skin cancer, I got to take part of your ear off, but it'll look good. It doesn't look good. It looks like uh, Mike Tyson took a bite out of my ear. I can attest to that. Anybody who's listening to this on the podcast. Yeah, it's true. But, but, um, but, you know, basically Tim is, is the least scary individual I have ever met. And, and all these people are chiming in. I don't know if you're seeing them, but people are saying, Stuart, Hey, what's up, buddy? Um, people are saying you inspired them to become a recovery advocate. You're the first person that showed them that, uh, they could get help. What do you tell people when you get those emails from desperate parents or desperate drug addicts? What do you say people do? 
If they got a heartbeat, they got hope. Don't give up on anybody. I actually just had a mother leave my house an hour ago with her her son and his girlfriend. They're they're both heroin addicts. And uh, the, the kid looked at me across the table. He said, I don't have any friends. I haven't had friends in 10 years. And I said, you need to understand something. You're sitting across from a friend right now. And you could just see the kid's face and that I was sincere. And I told him, I said, I will walk through this thick and thin. I won't co-sign your BS. My buddy, Dwayne Lauder, that just popped up on here. Dwayne called me about three years ago with a gun in his mouth, ready to kill himself. He had a gun in his mouth, ready to blow his head off. And he's sober. He's one of my dear friends. He runs a, a recovery radio show. It's just a matter of letting people know I've been there. I've done that. You, you can't fool me. And, and the parents, I, the, the mom today, I, the boyfriend went outside and the girlfriend, he's like, well, we got to really help her. I said, let's get him help first. I'll get her to another center. But you know, we, it's, it's complex, but I just let people know there's hope. But see what people don't know any Facebook message through my Facebook pages, I take every message. I reply to everyone personally. Sometimes I'll wake up in the morning and I'll have 82 messages, 100 messages. I respond to everyone. Um, so when people call, they're getting me. Uh, they're not getting somebody else. I'm going to give them out your cell phone number so they can call you. What do you think? If you need if you need to reach me, I have two phone numbers. Um, one is for my foundation, and, and we help. Uh, that is 844-611-4673, 844-611-HOPE. Um, if you're looking to get into my treatment center, uh, Transformations, that's 888-677-1646. Uh, you can shoot me an email, T-R-Y-A-N at A-M-I-R-F.org, TimRyanSpeaks.com. Um, I'm out there. Just go to Facebook. Type in Tim Ryan from Dope to Hope. You'll find me. Shoot me a message. There, Yeah, there is another Tim Ryan, some politician. Who cares about him? We care about this one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you can follow me at From Dope to Hope on Instagram, A Man of Recovery on Twitter. Um, and I've got the number right up on the screen. If you're listening, 888-677-1646. And we know he's not lying because Nicole is saying it's true. He does reply pretty much right away. Um, Tim, it was so nice of you to pay all these people to come and um, pretend they like Ryan you. Ryan Yonkers, here's another success story right there. I love this guy. I mean, didn't have nothing, man, and rocking recovery right now. That's what it's all about. When I see people like this, Anna, that have turned their lives around, that are doing the right things, I love these guys. I mean, I, I truly do. That's what it's all about. Um, somebody said earlier, I think it was Jeremy, please talk about Vivitrol. So Vivitrol is a, he, I've got a guy calling me right now who called me from a detox today and I, I bought a bus ticket through my foundation and he's going to Oaks Recovery, Brian Reddy's place in South Carolina. I've got two people. Vivitrol is a, a shot, a monthly shot you can get in your backside. Um, it originally came out for alcohol, but they realized it kind of works with opiate addicts to take away the cravings. But 
whether it's Vivitrol, it's Suboxone, it's, it's Sublocade, whatever, you still have to work some type of recovery program. And I don't care what that is. I'm, a, I, I'm an AA guy. I'm a 12-stepper. I don't care. But do the 12 steps, do celebrate recovery, do refuge, do smart, see a therapist, sing kumbaya, chase squirrels. You have to do something to work on yourself, but surround yourself with winners. Get mentors in your life. Get people that you can learn from and watch the miracles happen. But Vivitrol is one of the tools in the harm reduction kit. Um, well, I cannot thank you enough for this, Tim Ryan. What a pleasure. Uh, a pleasure with you. Are we done already? We're kind of having to wrap it up. It's Why? When I told Tim it was 20 minutes or a half hour, he's like, we could talk for eight hours. Is that what you we said? We could. Um, maybe. Maybe. I would talk to you for eight hours. I might get bored after like an hour, frankly. Doubt uh, it. Um, but uh, you guys, thank you so much for showing up. And by the way, if you came because of Tim Ryan and you want to hear and see other interviews like this, just like my Facebook page, uh, facebook.com slash Anna B. David, and you will find out about others that won't be as scintillating as Tim Ryan, but who is? You've used some really cool words today. So, scintillating? What is that? Uh, yeah. Do you know what that word means? Can no idea. Never. No. If you look it up in the dictionary, they'll just be your uh, image. I don't know how to even use a dictionary. Right. I'm joking. I do. We'll um, work on he, that. Yeah. I like you. You like play a dumb blonde. It's awesome. Um, I had a 1.4 grade average in high school. I took the ACT five times. I received a 11. I can't tell you at 50 years old how to how to use the word there in a sentence. T-H-E-R-E-I-E-R the other way. I don't grasp it or comprehend it. There are all yeah. different forms of intelligence. Are there not? Thank um, you. Tim, thank you. Oh, we're a little bit frozen. Thank you for doing this. Thank you for what you do. And um, thanks all of you for watching and listening. I will see you next time. Thank you, my friend. Bye.